Are we on? Hello. <clears throat> Somebody said my voice was too soft. Well, I can't do anything about that. It is what it is. Today, I'm going to take a look at the uh, situation in the book of Job, one of my favorite books, believe it or not. Some people say, well, it's a little sad, but I, I don't think so, because there's a lot of truth here. There's something we can learn about God, something we can learn that's kind of a mystery that goes on in heavenly places. But I got a little distracted from it when I started looking at it because it's one of the oldest books in the Bible. Some scholars say it may be the oldest book. So I got to thinking about old. When do you become old? Is there an age or a condition? You know, for example, memory. Where did it go? Adele and I sometimes, well, no, all the time, um, will remind each other. For example, she might say, don't let me forget to for not forget to take something. I'm thinking, wait, I'm supposed to not forget to help her not to forget something. <laughs> That's like telling a blind person, watch your step. <laughs> In memory, it just, it just goes. I don't know what happens. I don't know where it goes. It's a strange thing. Maybe you've had this happen. Now, if you're, if you're getting older, I'm not saying you're old, but if you're getting older, this might happen to you. Young people are saying, oh, this is stupid. Okay, but let's say you're, you, you sit in your favorite chair, and you realize you have to get up and go do something. You're going to go do it. You walk into the other room, I don't know why I'm here. <laughs> what was I going to do? I used to think that there was some kind of switch in your seat, but as soon as I go back and sit down, oh yeah, that's what I was supposed to do. But that doesn't work anymore, because I've moved to the next level. I don't even have to leave the room I'm in to not remember what I was going to go do. You've got to laugh at it. I mean, you can't do anything about it. It's, it's funny sometimes. And so I sometimes try to do silly things to try to, what was I going to do? Now, for example, a couple weeks ago, I'm in the house. I go out to do something. I, I'm going with purpose. I get to the middle of the driveway, and all of a sudden I realize, I don't know where I'm going. What was I going to do? I've got to figure out something. So I just, I'm, Lord! What was I going to do? I can't remember what it... Oh, it didn't work going that way. I'll go this way and see if it works. Now, Adele's in the greenhouse right next to me watching this. I, I didn't know she was there. <laughs> she sticks her head out and says, What are you doing? I don't know. <laughs> you forgot, didn't you? Yep. We were in a Bible study a few months ago. And I, I mentioned it because Marty South was here uh, this morning, and he was sitting next to me. And I could tell he kind of identified with my remarks. Uh, Kevin Ricky was leading the class, and there was a video presenter that said something about you need to memorize Scripture. I'm thinking about that. Kevin brings it up again about memorizing Scripture, and my inside voice became my outside voice, and I said, well, that ain't happening. <laughs> <laughs> 
And Marty agreed with me. <laughs> Memorize it when you're young. You know, when I was a kid growing up, we had the King James Version. I, I still remember verses in the King James Version. Well, part of it is because I use multiple translations now, and so I can't land on one to memorize. I remember concepts, I remember principles, but specifics? No, I have my own translation. Sometimes I have to go to. But it's just hard to remember things. And I, it, it strikes me as how fast it goes. I mean, I, for example, we're, we're playing, practicing in the band. Thursday night we do rehearsals. And once in a while, the spirit will come over me. That's what I call it. And I just take off and do something. Now, I'm just making it up. That's what I do anyway. I'm just making it up. We get to the end of it, and Josh says, hey, that was really cool. Could you do that again? <laughs> do what again? <laughs> what you just did over the bridge. You know, your doodly doodlies. That's what they call them. I don't think that's a musical term, but I don't know. <laughs> I said, well, uh, what I do? Your doodly doodlies. And so I turned to Lauren, who's next to me, I said, what did I just did? And she, she knows everything I know, so she says, well, you did this, you did this, and you did this. Oh, great, can you remind me on Sunday? Because I won't remember that long. <laughs> Memory's a funny thing. And I'm amazed. Uh, the book of Job was passed down for many, many years to, uh, by word of mouth, before somebody finally wrote it down. And, and we don't know who wrote it. Um, many, many scholars say that Job was a contemporary of Abraham, perhaps even preceded him. So that's a lot of years ago, thousands. And so somebody along the line was given the privilege of putting it all down in writing so it might be something that we could learn from. Uh, they don't know who wrote it because the book doesn't say Scholars think maybe Moses. Some say maybe Solomon. I kind of like the idea of Moses because he spent all that time in the mountain with God when he was getting the Ten Commandments. It makes sense to me that maybe he was the one. But he was given some special insight, whoever this author was, because the original part, or the initial part of this, first couple of verse, chapters, um, Job didn't know about. And we're going to see some things that to me, are quite amazing. So let's take a look. Let's stand. I'm going to read the first five verses. Job chapter 1. There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. Now, they don't even know where that place is for sure. Some suggest Syria, perhaps. And that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys. Uh, that's the same thing as saying he was very, very wealthy. Very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one in, on his day, and they would stand in and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. And Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Job. We thank you for the lessons that are presented here for us to understand who you are. Because this truly is more of a book about you, with Job being one of the characters. 
We thank you for the opportunity that we have to come and listen to your word. And I pray that it touches the hearts of those that need to hear this word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so now you know a little bit about Job, a little background. Um, and you're going to find out that he was considered to be a righteous man. In fact, Ezekiel mentions Job in the context with Noah and Daniel as being righteous. And I often wonder, I mean, I ask myself questions as I read through this. Why? How? He has no Bible. He has no word. Jesus hasn't come yet. No Holy Spirit. How is he able to remain faithful and committed to God? It's an amazing thing to me. But there he is. And then we have a scene that takes place in heavenly realms. Something that Job did not know about, nor did his friends that come later to comfort him. Something special is going on. It's just a little glimpse of something that's going on that we don't know anything about. Starting in verse 6, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered, the Lord said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. So my question is, when I read this, what's he doing? What's his purpose? What, what, what's he doing down there? Is it to just enjoy the nature and creation? Now, we can tell by the context of what comes next to know that that's not true. He's after people. What is he there to do? Well, we, Peter tells us what he's there to do. Peter starts talking about this, and he says, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That's what he's here to do. But, so you don't get scared about that, it says in the next sentence, resist him, and he'll flee from you. That's what Job does most effectively. So, the Lord says to Satan, now, would you think about if you were in this spot. Have you considered my servant Job? What if your name was there? You'd say, oh, no, 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 wait, that, that, don't, don't point me out. I don't want any special, special recognition here because you don't know what's going to happen. There's none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Now, God knows Job. He knows him. He knows that he's presenting a test that he knows he's going to pass because he knows his heart and he knows that his love for God is true and valid. Satan does not. He doesn't believe that. Why would he not believe that? Because from the very beginning in the garden he was able to convince people to sin. So the only reason, Lord, the only reason he is faithful is you got him protected. Take that protection away. You've given him wealth. You've given him positions of honor. You've given him a family. Take that away from him and he'll curse you. Because that's what Satan thinks of us. We can't remain faithful. We can't be honest and honorable to God. So the Lord says, okay, you know, everything he has is in your hand. 
Only against him you can't touch him. And, accordingly, could not touch his wife. Uh, doesn't say that, but we can see later why. So then some events take place. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house. A messenger came to Job and said, the Sabians have attacked and killed your, killed your servants, took your oxen, donkeys, killed them. So Satan, now you begin to see some of the power that he has once God has released him to do certain things. He has a lot of power. He can now cause people to fight each other or destroy someone else's property or get anger and hatred in their heart. This servant says, I was the only one that escaped. He hadn't even finished talking. Verse 16. The fire of God fell from heaven, burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And yet while he was still speaking, there came another said, the Chaldeans formed three groups and made a raid on the camels and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And then another one. Can you imagine this? One right after the other. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house that fell upon the young people, and they are dead. I'm the only one escaped to tell you. What was Job's reaction? Tore his robe, shaved his head, fell on the ground, and worshipped. And blamed God. He said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And the Bible says, In all of this, Job did not sin. That's amazing. That's an amazing thing that he was able to, to stay. You know, it always offends me. I, I get aggravated when I see this. Some tragedy occurs, and there's invariably some reporter that goes up to a pastor or someone like that, sticks a microphone in their face, and says, why would God allow this to happen? Now, how do you answer that? You, you can't answer that. Job's going to be proof you can't answer that. Not totally. They're not really looking for an answer. They're looking to condemn God. Because the, the sin that people fight is the original sin that says, I want to be like God. Knowing good and evil. Therefore, if I were God, I would have done it different. Um, I, I don't think that's the best place to be if you're going to talk to God. I don't think he has any problem with asking, well, why did this happen? But when we start to believe we know better, and this is the thing that Job faces. Well, it isn't over. It comes back. Satan's not going to admit he was wrong. Is he trying to blink the lights out or what? <laughs> He's not going to admit he was wrong. He goes back to the Lord. The Lord says, where have you been? Well, I've been traveling around. That's one of my paraphrases. I've been traveling around the earth looking for somebody to, to devour. Well, have you considered Job? Everything you tried didn't work. He's remained true and faithful. Yeah. But there's a reason why. Skin for skin. He says, a person will give away everything in order to save their own life. You take that away from him, and he'll curse you. And so the Lord says, okay, you can have him, 
but you can't kill him. And so that's what happens. Satan gives him tremendous skin illnesses that talks about boils or things from his feet to his head. And it's so bad and so painful, he, he's, he's sitting in, in an area of ashes where he probably had been using ashes to, to express his sorrow, which was custom of the day. And, and he's taking broken pieces of pottery and he's scraping, scraping those sores open, getting, trying, the pain's terrible. And the affliction gets worse as time goes on. Now, we don't know how long this lasts. Some scholars have suggested it would seem to indicate from the language as far as they're concerned, this may have gone on for months, if you can imagine that. This was not a short-term thing. And he got worse and worse. Job has a problem that makes it even worse because his wife turns on him. Now, I don't want to be too hard on her. She's just lost all of her children. She's lost everything. She sees her husband in total despair, total illness. People are making fun of him. We, we, we can see throughout the various passages. They're laughing at him now. He had a place of honor. Now he has a place of just utter despair. She comes to him and says, do you hold fast to your integrity still? Curse God and die. Now, 